0: Hello, 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 hello. Hello and welcome to start hold on. Hello and welcome to start the beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Let me turn down the brightness on my computer. That was a little much. How are we all doing? Happy Monday, everybody. The uh, nice weather has uh, officially seemed to grace us and stick around for a while in Pittsburgh. I hope some of you got to enjoy that weather over the weekend. I know it was a little rainy on Sunday, but yeah, get over it. Put on a jacket and go have fun. Uh, I had a pretty good weekend. Gray Walker had a show out in Youngstown uh, yesterday on Saturday at Cedars. Shout outs to everybody there that came out for that. And on Friday, we had podcast night at the Tolma 2, which you may have caught the live stream of. For those of you unfamiliar, that is a live podcasting event slash series that I guess we are doing now. It was Start the Beat with Sykes and my friends in Thrifty and Neon Brainiacs it was a really good sign. We'll be doing a third one sometime over the summer. Keep an eye out for that date if you're interested. But yeah, uh, speaking of things that are coming up, I'm going to plug some upcoming events I got on the horizon. This Friday, April 19th, will be the next... Oh, sorry, I have a little bit of a a gas. I had Indian for dinner, so I apologize. I'm just feeling a little burpy. April 19th, MySpace Night at Brillo Box. It's an early 2000s dance party that I run Bimonthly at Brillo Box. Next one, as I said, this Friday, it's going to be guest hosted by my good friend Bambi, who is also going to be a part of the fifth year anniversary for Start the Beat with Sykes. Also at Brillo Box the following week on April 25th. Uh, alongside Bambi will be my friends Icky Vicky, Connor Murray of Crafted Sounds, Clara Kent and Ashley Courts of Black Forge Coffee House. That's going to be a live podcast panel slash local music scene meetup and social hour thing. So outside of the live podcast, we're just going to be hanging out, networking with a whole bunch of different people from all aspects of the local music scene. If you are into that sort of thing, April 25th, mark your calendar, okay? Cool. And then April 26th will be Emo Night karaoke at the Smiling Moose. For those of you that are aware, there is a live band. Karaoke night that happens at the Smiling Moose now. I DJ downstairs on the first floor for those events. Uh, you can come hang out with me, go upstairs, sing some, sing, sing the sing some songs with your friends. I'm a little hyped. I probably shouldn't have drank that coffee before we started this. And yeah, April 26th, that is happening. April 27th, the day after that. This is a big weekend, apparently. Sykes and the new violence at Cativo. And then the day after that, April 28th, Grey Walker at the Smiling Moose. So man, I just realized that 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, that's going to be a heckin' time for your boy. So hey, hope to see some of you at some point in time over the course of that weekend. And yeah, here we are. I'm not going to do any listener questions this week. I just Haven't had time to get any and nobody sent any in. But hey, if you got something you want to hear me talk about, feel free to drop it in the comments or shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. As you know, I am available on all of those platforms. You can like and subscribe, rate and review, do whatever, interact with the show. It supposedly is a big deal and helps more people find out about what I'm doing over here. So if you like me and you like the show and you want to support what's going on here, just uh, take a couple extra seconds to click on something in my favor. All right. Can you do that? Do it right now. I'm going to give you a second to click on something. Did you click? Did you do it? I'm gonna trust that you did because I think you're all good hearted people. So now that you've clicked, let's move on with the episode. And uh, you gotta hear this Blood Command. Blood Command is a really cool punk slash metal band from Norway that I've been into for a couple years now. They just dropped a new EP. And if you've never given this band a shot, you should check it out. They're really cool, high energy, lots of attitude. The vocalist has this crazy dynamic range in her vocals from like these crazy intense screams to these really cool, pretty melodic, yelly singing things and uh, really cool song structures, really cool like pop form, to like a punk metal hybrid. Uh, They're a lot of fun. So highly suggested that you go check out their new EP. It's called Return of the Arsonist. It's available on Spotify and all that other stuff. Give it a listen. And if you like that, definitely go back and check out some of their previous releases. They've been around for a while and they have a lot of really cool material and you got to hear it. Moving on. You got to eat this. So on Friday before podcast night at the Tulma, I took a moment to go visit my favorite pizza shop in the city, but pizza. They do have one in the North side, but I went to the OG out in Mount Lebanon and I fucking love that place. I mean, this might not be new news to anybody, but if you've never had, but I think it is the best pizza in the city. I know pizza in Pittsburgh is a hot topic for a lot of people. I just kind of wanted to take an extra second here and remind everybody, everybody that, you know, Badamo's is my best, my favorite, my love, my one and true only when it comes to Pittsburgh pizza, if that makes sense. And if you've never been to Badamo's, you gotta fucking eat it. All right, go. Uh, you gotta see this. just finished Sabrina season two and all of its campy, cheesy, somewhat cringy glory. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you were a fan of Buffy uh, or Mean Girls <laughs> or both and you haven't watched any of Sabrina yet, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun and you got to see it. Last but not certainly least, you got to do this. So it's summer uh, or spring, I guess. Spring or summer, Whatever. You want to call it. It's time, you know, of the year that the weather's getting nice and you can start doing some spring cleaning, cleaning out your house. And what I'm going to say you got to do is just clean up your fucking house. Okay? If you got something that's a mess or a box that's been sitting around for a little bit too long or something that needs dusted, do it. Actually, listening to this podcast, I will be a good sidekick for you while you do some things around the house. So I'm not trying to be like your mom or your dad or whatever sort of other person of responsibility and judgment that you have in your life. But I'm just saying, hey, you know, spring, spring cleaning, clean something out, you know, take care of your environment because your environment will take care of you. And that's yeah, you got to do it. All right. Clean up your shit. And let's move on to this week's episode. Finally. Here we are. Here we go. This week on the show, got my friend Lauren Demache. And for those of you who aren't familiar, she is a singer, songwriter, uh, active force in the local music scene. She helps run the Fair Play Pittsburgh which is a like it's a page on Facebook, and I think they do things outside of that as well. We talk about that on the podcast, as well as a lot of other stuff that she's involved in. Uh, we had never met before this conversation, but I did like find out about her through the Fair Play Pittsburgh Music page, and. Uh, Decided to get her on the show so we could talk a little bit about, you know, the state of local music, working as an independent musician, and, uh, you know, just the state of music in general, I guess. And uh, we had a really good talk. It's a lot of fun. And I'm going to shut up so we can get into that. But before we do that, I'm going to play you a clip here of one of Lauren's songs. She just released some stuff on Spotify, volume one of the cite your sources series which is like a it's like a series of songs she's going to be releasing we talk about that as well in the conversation but i'm going to play you here just a clip of a track that's available now it's called time goes by like i said you could find this on spotify and other streaming services i'm certain but uh let's give this a listen so you can just get a feel for some of the stuff that lauren does and then we'll get into the conversation from there but yeah this is Time Goes By by Lauren D. She's
1: waiting at the bus stop for AM. She needs to get away and find herself. She doesn't want your peace of mind, doesn't
0: From Time Goes By by Lauren Demache. Sounds like a a very beautiful song. Uh, Definitely check that out. I know she has a lot of music available online. But before you do that, we're going to get into a conversation. Get to know Lauren a little bit. So, without further ado, let's get into my conversation with my friend, Lauren Demache. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. So
1: who's your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle?
0: You know, it's really funny. So uh, we can actually start the conversation here. So I do like listener questions every week. Okay. And somebody actually asked me a question if I had to... um, let me get the uh the exact thing that they said because I don't want to misquote it. Because I'm actually I'm answering your question right now. And it's a perfect way to start our conversation, actually. So this is totally worth the sidestep. <laughs> uh so Ninja Turtles. My favorite Ninja Turtle. So this came from uh an acquaintance of mine. We've never met in person, but his name's John. He plays in the band Fuck Yeah Dinosaurs. And he asked me. Well, it's not really a question. He said, assign each Ninja Turtle a Pittsburgh venue based on their personalities.
1: Oh my gosh. That's like, it takes some time and yeah, thought. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, and I have been thinking about this a lot actually over the past hour. Um, and this is a good way for us to start the conversation, because for those of you who don't know you, your name is Lauren D. Mache, a.k.a. Shea. You are a singer-songwriter in the Pittsburgh music scene. You're also an admin of the Fair Play Pittsburgh Facebook page, which it's a group for, you know, just creatives in the music scene that are just trying to figure it out,
1: yes. essentially. Sure, yeah.
0: So thinking about this question of assigning each Ninja Turtle a Pittsburgh venue, I was having a really hard time, but the thing that I thought of was that a problem or something we should work on maybe with Pittsburgh music is that we have a whole lot of Michelangelo's and not enough Leonardo's.
1: I could see that. There's
0: a lot of people that are like, there's no leaders in terms of like local music venues, no leader types. A lot of like, Oh, this is just like a fun thing that we do, which is important. True. But when I think of like a venue, that's a real like team player leader, really like, Helping, like, you know, mold, mold, uh, the the things around them and support. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. If I was gonna give it to anybody off the top of my head, I would say Mr. Smalls. The people that are involved in Mr. Smalls, the owners, they're doing a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff that's coming up with like the creative life support stuff. Yes, I don't know if you've been seeing that starting to bubble up, but so I would say, if anything right now, I would put it on Mr. Smalls as a Leonardo. Mm I was like, but yeah, a lot of Michelangelo's out there.
1: Well, Club Cafe used to be, I feel, have that in the singer-songwriter scene. Uh, Acoustic Cafe was there, and now Acoustic Cafe's at Mr. Small's. But
0: yeah, that's still um, all like Opus One.
1: Opus One and the affiliated group. That was yeah. the thing
0: that I was thinking that even a better way to kind of phrase this question would have been assign each Ninja Turtle a Pittsburgh promoter based on their personality, not necessarily a venue.
1: Wow. You really gotta have some deep understanding of the Pittsburgh music music scene. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I was like
0: there. I was really thinking about it, but I was trying to stick the venues and I was thinking like who's the Raphael? Who who's the the outcast? The only place that I could think of isn't with us anymore, but it would have been the thirty first street pub, I think was super Raphael
1: uh yeah <laughs> I, I mean i think the rock room i haven't been there in a really long time kind of has that energy i uh, yeah i would um, give
0: rock room more of a michelangelo vibe uh,
1: yeah.
0: and then like thinking about like donatello who's like tech driven i was like what venues are super tech driven right now i'm not sure
1: club cafe used to be tech driven they had yeah. a, a video production company in the house that were they were you know doing the yeah, video and Mr. work Mr. and the audio some good stuff
0: um spirit has a lot of cool spirit, stuff. yeah, yeah.
1: I would say spirit kind of is a combination of Leonardo and Michelangelo because it's, I mean, there are certain nights that are there to develop and uplift talent and Uh maybe get people together. um, But it's definitely people go there to have a good time and dance and, you know. Yeah. But there aren't too many serious. Yeah, you're right. I think Mr. Smalls with what they're doing. But I think that you have to be diverse. You have to have multi facets. If you want to keep the lights on in the place, you have to have that Michelangelo thing because that's what's bringing people in the door. Uh-huh. So, uh.
0: well, that's, a, that's the thing about Leonardo is that, you know, he's always had a little bit of Michelangelo in him, and a little bit of Raphael, and a little bit of Donatello. That's why he's the leader because mm-hmm. he has the perfect amount of empathy to understand and relate with his brothers. Mm-hmm. Whereas that's the issue with the other ones. They don't always have that empathy to connect with everyone. So they can never be the leader. Ah. Like you don't really see Donatello and Raphael hanging out a whole lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you never saw And like Mikey and Raf would always get into it. Cause Raphael and Mikey would kind of, they could, whenever Rafi, Raphael was in his like most like vulnerable moments, it always tends to be with Michelangelo or Leonardo. Oh, I don't, I might be, digging way too deep into, no this is
1: deep man I mean I into, feel like I'm going like, go back my ninja- and like catch up yeah yeah I might
0: need to go back and try to try to uh, rethink about it some more but anyways with all that being said you have been active in the Pittsburgh music scene for how long uh because <laughs> I know that you put out a project back in 2015. It was called Love Letters. Yes. I did some research uh-huh. and you have a project coming out this year called Cite Your Sources yes. where you've collaborated with a whole handful of local musicians. Yes. 26, is that the number? That is the number. I actually, I didn't write down that number. I just remembered, <laughs> but everything else was written down here. So I know that you had some stuff prior to Love Letters as well. It seemed... Uh, I was there were on other your bands, website. other yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, but on my, I don't know how much of that was in Pittsburgh.
1: Actually, it was all in Pittsburgh. Cool. um I've been here for a while. I started um started coming out when I was twenty, so I was actually sneaking into Club Cafe back in the day. um <sighs> Yeah, I mean, you I think maker. it was two thousand and two, uh, cool. and Acoustic Cafe was there and having. They just started an open stage, um, so I would go there Monday nights, and that was kind of like my spot for a long time got to know people and practice music started and had a couple of different bands i had a um i was in a couple of different rock bands Lushwell, don cannon no one knows these names uh, except for a very small few uh in the in the crowd in pittsburgh but um yeah just playing in rock bands did a lot of stuff at the shadow lounge which was a huge uh influence in and my musical career in pittsburgh it was just you know um Really, really affected me in terms of just the people there and the influences and the music coming through there was just amazing. Shadow Um, Lounge
0: was a Leonardo in its own way, for sure.
1: Yeah. So I'm really, I guess I'm really sad about it. One might say
0: that even Justin is a master splinter in some ways.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree with that that Uh statement for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's now at Spirit. Yep. So and I guess I referring to those Leonardo Moments at Spirit are definitely attributed to Justin so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah and then I just um got married. Congrats. Um
0: had That's a baby. Awesome. That's awesome too.
1: Um and just kind of like took a step back and was like I don't want to tour in a car anymore and like I did, you know, did the regional touring thing with bands and I was just like over it because <laughs> I don't want to sleep in anyone's floor anymore. Um, so I, and I just kind of like I'd like to make music, but I want to do it here as much as possible. And I don't want to have to, you know, move elsewhere. Totally. To be successful, if you will.
0: Before we had started recording, you had mentioned about how you enjoy being a studio musician and we we're
1: actually P- a producer,
0: a producer. OK, yes.
1: Like making the creative decisions in the studio.
0: Okay, totally. So I I think that's what I meant. Not being like a studio musician playing on other people's records, but like working in the studio is what I meant to say. Mm -hmm. You enjoy working in the studio, the behind the scenes, the creative parts. And I really relate to that a lot. I enjoy playing shows a shit ton. That's why we do this to some degree. But also like anytime I release a project, I'm really bad at the whole promotional phase of things because I'm just like, Cool, that's out. People were going to listen to it, but I just want to get back into recording because with my stuff, I self produce everything. So, and I always have. That's how I learned how to make music through making beats.
2: Yeah.
0: And the only way to really record beats that I could figure out was to actually just like record it. Yeah. So I had to like get a computer and a DAW and start like me learning how to make music was actually simultaneously learning how to produce and record.
1: Yeah. So, what what DAW are you? you using these days
0: so i was using i started on magic's audio studio deluxe Mm. on a windows 98 tower in 2002 and i still have that computer right there actually and i still use it uh any any project that i've ever released i've recorded on that computer oh wow uh but with like the podcast and band demos and things like that, I use Adobe Audition for a lot of stuff. Oh, wow. Mainly since uh, they've really expanded Audition to a point now that's basically a Pro Tools clone. Oh,
2: wow.
0: It's pretty. It's pretty intuitive. And yeah. since I do all my video editing in Adobe Premiere... I really like using the Adobe Suite just because I'm able to like, oh, I got to edit that graphic in Photoshop and I can easily put it back into Premiere. I got to fix this audio. I could do that in Audition.
1: Yeah, they they seamlessly mm-hmm. move back and forth. And I like, Yeah.
0: I, I didn't, I did not pirate the stuff. I pay for it. Yeah. So since I pay for it, I'm going to use it as much as I possibly can. So yeah. now I'm starting to use Audition as a DAW too because it, oh, wow. it works.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I started recording on Reason. I did a little bit of beat making myself, um, and I want to get back into that because I'm not really like, I haven't really focused and honed in on it. My last project, the 2015 Love Letters project, I recorded all of the majority of that in Reason, with the exception of a couple tracks at Mr. Small's uh, on the north side, but you know, I was just learning how to, like, mix, learning how to, like, I literally had, like, 50 versions uh, of a song. It's gonna, this, <laughs> yeah. this sounds
0: so nerdy, but, like, that's the best. I love being able to do that. Can you move the mic a little bit closer to you? Mm-hmm. Sorry. our
1: sure. li-
0: Our little distraction got us all. But I love being able to have that access. And it's so hard for me. Well, it was hard for me for a while whenever... I started playing with other people in bands and meeting other people that were making music because I was starting to self-record before I'd really gotten out of my shell and meeting people. And it's not really common for people to make music like that. At Mm -hmm. least it wasn't 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, now a lot of people make music on computers, but 10 years ago, people weren't doing it. Yeah. So I would, you know, like... My method of songwriting would be to, like, demo out ideas, record them, and then, like, rearrange them. And that's yeah. how it would come up with songs. But then I, like, get together with people. and It's like, oh, we're just going to figure this out in a basement. And I'm like, this yeah. is so
1: weird. Yeah. But that's,
0: like, normal. I'm the weird one.
1: Well, that is, that is kind of weird in a band scenario. I kind of wish in my other bands that I would have done that more. Like, instead of just, like, getting in the basement and, like, figuring out as a group and... I feel like you could you can do it that way but you still need to take those songs and like pop them in and like think about them because I feel like I feel like a lot of artists go on for too long like especially if you're very lyric driven like sometimes you you just should cut out a verse because yeah. it doesn't really serve the song. And then it makes the song so long that people lose interest.
0: Yeah. Well, and
1: then it's, you're just up there, you know, playing it and being like, this is awesome. And people are like, Oh
0: yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a conversation that I have to have with um, people that I'm working with a lot because there are musicians that write songs for themselves and musicians that write songs for the, 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 the crowd and you got to have the right mix of both.
2: Yes. Yeah, I think
0: it is very important, no matter what art you're doing, whether it's uh, a song or a movie or a fucking plate of food, somebody's going to be eat- digesting it in one way or another. And you got to make sure that it tastes good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the only problem with the, the food and music analogy is that like you can't do anything with musical leftovers. Like at least food leftovers you could take home and eat it later. But like with music, it's not like I'll just put a pause on this and I'll I'll check out that third verse tomorrow when I'm feeling <laughs> like listening to something again.
1: Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I've had my f- fill here. I'm going to pause it and then
0: see Yeah, you. Yeah. You got to be able to. It's like songs are like snacks. Nobody yeah. keeps leftover snacks.
1: Yeah, exactly. And some sometimes they get stale if you just let it sit there forever. Uh-huh. You're just like.
0: You know what I learned today? This is, has nothing to do with anything. I'm just going to throw it at you. Did you know that Doritos were invented in Disneyland? No. Yeah. Wow. The Frito-Lay company had worked with a Mexican restaurant in Disneyland, and they were throwing out their tortilla chips at the end of the day. So somebody came up with this idea to like fry them or do something with them, and they became really popular and became Doritos. And then Frito-Lay became this big company and marketed it. I don't know. It was born out of Disneyland.
1: Wow. Doritos.
0: That's a a sounds amazing,
1: I mean that's great. I mean that's some of the best art happens when you just need to you know solve a problem. I just find <laughs>
0: it fascinating that there isn't more Disney Doritos crossover given their origin unless yeah. there was a bad falling out at some point, well, but that has nothing to do with it It
1: sounds this. like they probably were working <laughs> for Disney, and Disney didn't have a clause that if you invent something while you're working for us, we own it. Uh-huh. Starbucks actually has that um in their employment contracts. So if you make this awesome drink when you're like working and you're like, Oh, oh I'm yeah. going to put this stuff together. If people really like it, and it becomes a thing like Starbucks owns it.
0: I'm sure that's what happened with the unicorn frappuccino. You remember that a, a uh, year or so ago? Yeah. Had that unicorn frappuccino. Uh,
1: diabetes. <laughs> that's all I could think was like, I mean, the amount of sugar in that thing. I mean, some people tried it and they said it was good. So I had some friends that checked it out, but I was just like,
0: yeah. what? Whatever you're into, whatever you are into. So, Talking about people owning things that you create that they had nothing to do with, we could probably easily tie this back into the music industry. Sure. So don't want to get into like a a heated conversation about things that might make us angry. But what are your thoughts on the state of the current music industry, the way things work? I noticed that you post a lot of things about like streaming revenue. That seems to be something that you might know more about than I do. I you-
1: just basically, I've been reading a lot, and I haven't really sat down uh, you know and intellectually thought out what my positions are. It just kind of morphs I guess with the more that I learn yeah, um but where I am today, I just feel like you know the industry is trying to figure out how to monetize itself and You know, Spotify actually is a public company now and it's like not making any money. Um, The majority of the revenues that who gets the majority of the revenues are the big artists like Drake, like, you know, any of these big hip hop artists that have the big representation and are on the major labels and they have special deals. So, you know, what's just frustrating is the users to me make the, you know, make Spotify what it is. I don't, I'm not familiar with like Apple, Apple music. Cause I don't use that service. Or I don't listen to yeah. too much, but I really think that this, they're trying to gain market share and they're trying to make Spotify look like a bad guy. And I understand Spotify is not making money, but my thought is they need to, you know, pull back on the major labels, get out of their contracts somehow and give smaller songwriters a race. I mean, it's like 44%. It's like the biggest raise, you know, and it's still only, it's nothing, but it's like the majority of the pie is going to the major labels and it's the same old shit, you know? And I just like, I'm just tired of that.
0: So what you're saying is that like, uh, I have a song that's streaming. You're saying that like money from a song that stream, my stream is going to a major label and not Spotify. Or am I misunderstanding you?
1: Well, basically, all of the, their money, Spotify's money, comes from people who oh, pay monthly. Yeah, and uh, and advertisements. because yeah. a lot of people don't pay Spotify. I pay a monthly fee to Spotify just because I don't want ads. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the majority of that pie, that their revenues, that they go to major labels because, and it's not just because of the amount of streams. It's like they can create because they have so many artists are so many streams they create special deals they have like oh, special yeah.
0: deals. well i think i i think for i'm very very certain that there are definitely labels that um give spotify money to curate playlists with their That's label artists revenue. and things like that yeah the way that i look at spotify and apple music and title all these things is there they're the new record stores And like, they're just stores owned by different companies. And like, think about it whenever, if you sign on to Spotify, what's the first thing that pops up? Oh, all the new playlists that you should check out. It's like walking into a record store 20 years ago and you seeing all the cardboard cutouts of like, oh, here's the new Red Hot Chili Peppers album. That's what you should be listening to. That's what I feel like this, the playlists are like, or like, they're the advertisements of things that they want you to buy. But in terms of, uh. Now buying is actually just streaming clicks, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So I feel like, and then much like I'm sure this was the same thing back then. I'm sure there were labels that gave money to certain record retailers to make sure that their stuff was what you saw when you walked in the door.
1: Yeah. So there's, there's other industries that are popping up. There's playlist companies that are pitching to Spotify that sure. the artist pays that playlist company and then influencers. they pitch the influencers. Yeah.
0: So I'm I'm thinking like I don't think the term influencer or the word monetization ever came out of my mouth before like the year <laughs> 2010 maybe yeah then that, that's being like generous yeah it's so funny like how our vocabulary has adapted uh, with the result of all of this uh, I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's just me cuz I'm trying to get more business focused in terms of music things but I still think that like the normal person understands what monetization is and that's such a bizarre word for the average person to know to be like stand like common in the lexicon of our dialogue monetization
1: I just think that you know Spotify really needs to if if this is going to be a social platform which it has a social aspect and i think that's why everyone's so attached to it it's like you can create a playlist and promote your local you know your local music your friends you know Uh, curate something and then share it it's
0: something and it's stuff with like apple um google though they've always been kind of uh inclusive to like oh if you don't have an apple device you don't use apple you know you use Google, and Apple's uh interface has always been really good. Google's is dog shit, but yeah. like people on all platforms can use Spotify,
1: yeah, that's true and that's and Spotify
0: enough. looks better I think the the like the dark interface versus the light interface of Apple, I think it just looks better with the music, yeah. And like, I think the playlists was the big the big game changer for Spotify though.
1: I think it is too. I just think that they're, right now they're just fighting, and they're Spotify's trying to monitor. They're just trying to be in the the, the red or the the black. <laughs> they're trying to be in the black. I always get those mixed up. I feel
0: like a um, lot of I've never had this thought before. It just fired off in my brain. But thinking about Spotify and playlists in the way that the the normal music consumer consumes music. Think about like – I think a lot of people that enjoy music don't really want to think about the music that they're listening to. They just kind of want to be – they want like a radio station of music. Yeah. And what's easier than like, oh, I know I'm familiar with Mumford & Sons. I could go on the Mumford & Sons thing on Spotify or Pandora, Pandora. which is another big one. Yeah. And then there we go. I don't have to think about my music choices.
1: So you think the majority of people are like – I think a large –
0: I think a large. I would say – I would say 30% of people probably just want stuff fed to them. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, I mean, I mean, that's not an overwhelming number, but that's a lot of number. Yeah. Of like people that aren't musicians, people that are just average. You know, I work, I got my family, I got this and that. I don't have time to research music. I was never really into music. And, High school or anything like that. Think about yeah. how many kids in high school were really like hardcore music people. It was always like the small – it was like a smaller demographic. So
1: to me, that makes that makes their job have a certain level. When I say they, I mean like the people who are curating this or who are, you know, the gatekeepers to this stuff for people. It makes their jobs more – have more responsibility in my – because if you have people and you're force feeding them garbage. And when I say garbage, how- I mean – I mean, songs and music that are, like, promoting certain things to, like, younger kids. I yeah. mean, that really pisses me off. I mean, off that's how it's been for
0: a very long time.
1: I know, but, like, that gives – there's a responsibility, you know, the, yeah. those people have.
0: It's so weird now, though, because you think of, like, like you know, people that – um, it's like, okay, like, I think – a lot of the times it blows my mind that Nicki Minaj is as popular as she is based solely on the subject matter of some of her songs. I have no problem with it. I think Nicki Minaj is a blast, but it's really interesting to me when I see people who are very young, that are very familiar with her songs that are, some of them are very, "Mm," you know, like, like I hear it and I'm like, whoa, I can't believe you said that. But the people like the parents of those kids grew up listening to Lil Kim, probably, and like that was no different.
1: That take little Zans. Do you know who the sure? Guy I, is? Know who Zan I is. mean, I don't even know Zan, whatever, I don't even know his name fully because I'm he pisses me off so badly. What pisses me off, not him, it's the people that are propping him up. He, sure, the, the guys literally got you know, I don't know, millions of fans. And he's singing about, I mean, his name is like, it's a prescription drug. And he literally was just in the hospital like a month ago. And I'm like, and kids are loving this guy. And it like, I saw that and it was just like, you can't, you can't promote this kind of stuff. Who is allowing this? I understand that, that kids are taken to this guy for whatever reason, but come on.
0: The thing that, that really bugs me about, I know I've read some stuff about Lil Xan and like interviews with him. I think that like he's in this process now of trying to turn over a new leaf, which is fine. Because I think he was like 17 when he blew up. And now maybe he's 18 or 19. God, think about your life when you were 17, 18, 19, all over the place. Imagine that. And then people throwing a bunch of money in your lap saying like what you're doing is great. Keep, keep it up, you know, and, like, and all that pressure. So having some empathy for his situation personally, I don't know what I would do in that situation. But I, Well, I think, that's why
1: I'm saying I'm pissed off at the people that are I throwing th- money sure. at him and they have the resp- responsibility. Because if my son was a teenager right now and he was listening to that shit and popping fucking – I mean, I did some jokes too. But just saying, yeah, I don't totally. want my 14-year-old you know, or 15-year-old – Rating prescription drugs and, and drinking and lean because it's cool.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the. that's
1: what I'm concerned the, about.
0: The thing that, that, that bugs me about it is that even though he may be trying to get his shit together, going on interviews, being very candid about some things, which I, 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 I'm not first. I think this is what's happening with him right now. The people, a large majority of the people that listen to his music aren't going to listen to those interviews or care or get it. All that old material is still out there and they're going to still resonate with it. And it is going to help inspire certain lifestyles that aren't the best for anyone. But I think that really comes down to, that's uh, like a there's like a deeper conversation in that and maybe you can understand this as a parent in terms of like just trying to be very hyper aware of what is out there for the kids, even if it takes a little bit extra time and it could be exhausting to even know who a little Xan is. I think it's important for somebody that is maybe trying to raise a kid and you want them to be into music and art and things like that. They're going to be in school. You don't have control over all the stuff that's being put in their lap. And if as a parent, if
1: you're like, no, you can't watch this or listen to this, like the kid wants to do it even more. It's actually (laughs) interesting
0: because the conversation I had earlier today, we talked about kids and like, um, it, the, i don't even know how we got on this but i think the responsibility of kids and people in their lives whether they're parents or peers or just people that like be mentors. very mentors yeah, i think it yeah. to be uh transparent with kids and i think kids are capable of understanding a lot more than some people give them credit for
2: mm-hmm.
0: like i feel like if in if like an 8 year old can kick my ass in some really technical video game they could probably understand the concept of like you know what drugs are or yeah. what You know, some aspects of sex are. These are scary things, but they're going to figure out about it eventually. Yeah. So
1: demystify the stuff. Yeah.
0: And if they learn about drugs from their shitty friend that thinks it's awesome before (laughs) you've had a chance to tell them about it. Yeah. And then you do talk to him about it and it's like, oh, well, I heard it was cool. And, you know, you're just an uncool parent. Yeah. because like, Well, but
1: that's the problem. That How I, do you I juggle believe, all that? I believe that's like the problem when, you know, kids get to a certain age. You're just that uncool parent, even though you could be fucking cool, you know, like yeah. in your life doing your thing. And maybe, maybe it's just like as a parent, part of that is to have your own life outside of the kid. Because I feel like you know a lot of in america especially it's like parents are so involved in their kids lives they don't have hobbies necessarily or they don't nec- you know they don't do anything to like really maybe say wow my parent parent is like doing their own thing you I, know i think
0: yeah i think it's important for kids to be able to see that you know Old people can be (laughs) capable of doing things outside of being a parent. Just having that creativity around them is inspiring.
1: Yeah, because like I think back on my parents and not to get like, you know, real personal and deep on this, but I don't really remember. I mean, my dad was into movies and I don't even my mom was into church. Sure. But like, I don't remember them ever really doing anything outside yeah. of working and the fan you know the family stuff then um, their job you know their jobs and that was it yeah like,
0: like I I had I mentioned this earlier on the other show so for any repeat guests sorry for repeating a story but we're having a moment so I got to connect with you you know I there was a lot of negative things in my family but my grandmother was the person who was very grounded and she was always very transparent with me in terms of like this is why, you know, the people and like, you know, your mom and your uncle and your, this is why everybody's acting like this because they have these things. And this is why, you know, you don't want to, you basically why you don't want to get into these things. And then by the time that was when I was a kid. And by the time I get into like middle school and high school and I have friends that are starting to fuck around with some things here and there, I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like I totally got it. And then on the flip, I have another uncle who lives in New York who was an artist he was a creative made music and he was the person that was like whatever you want to do you can do it and like being able to see him do that was super inspiring having that and also having my grandmother just always be very transparent with me even when I was super young was super helpful
1: yeah well that's good to know I mean I'll definitely take that advice you know as a parent because my son's four so I'm new at this you know I don't have any other kids and it's like uh, you know, sometimes it's, is it TMI? <laughs> and no, uh, my no. husband will say to me, TMI. And I'm like, but is it really? I mean, sometimes it could be. Because he's a talk. This kid's a talker. I mean, he's, uh and he'll ask questions and we give him full answers to those questions. And I always, you know, a lot of par- other parents I talk to, they're like, wow, he's so talkative and like, so aware, you know, oh, how yeah. did you do it? I'm like, well, he asked questions and I answer them. I think yeah. like a lot of times kids are just like,
0: shut up, you know, are like we,
1: better, better seen than heard. Yeah, we talked thing.
0: about that too with kids that are asking questions and sometimes kids ask the most off the wall shit. Like, why would you even know or have an understanding of that to ask me about it? But I think it's still important to answer it in the most healthy way possible mm-hmm. instead of like shunning them and making them feel shamed about mm-hmm. it or making them feel afraid about it because that's gonna, you want them to keep asking questions yeah? because asking Generates knowledge. Yeah. And that's going to make them a better living
1: being to know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the other thing, too, is whether you like it or not in the world we're living in, if you don't tell them, they're going to find out eventually. Yeah. And, by and I who? think it's better yeah. that they hear it from you or somebody else that they can trust in their circle so you can keep that bond. Yeah. You don't want to be a thing. It's like, oh, you've been keeping the secret from me and, you know, blah, 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 blah or, you know, the mysteries of life. But I think that sometimes it's hard for people to be just transparent with people or talk to people. I mean, like whether it is your child or a bandmate or, you know, even like you get something, a plate of food and something's wrong with it. And actually it's being like, hey, there's something wrong with my food. You know, you don't want to.
1: You don't want to. You don't want You don't want to stir or, the pot or yeah. create
0: a conflict or. Yeah. But I think for the most part, it's usually. Oh, it's usually okay to bring up things that are wrong because ultimately everybody wants to be in a better situation.
1: Yeah, but you know what? On, on the flip side of that, I've multiple times and I you when you do the right thing and you tell somebody <laughs> something that they may not want to hear. There was a scenario with you know someone in my neighborhood, and I saw some things were going on, and I was like, hey, you know, hey. Um, sent this person a message and I was like, I just want to let you know people are saying this stuff in the neighborhood. I just want you to be aware what's going on, you know, as a respect from one parent to another parent. And um, I got a lot of, it was like really hard for me. Cause I had to play cool because this person kind of got was it, in attack mode. Was it like you like a know? overstepping your bounds. Yeah. Sort of thing? And I was like, I'm not trying to overstep. I'm just as a person who cares and I'm concerned, I'm letting you know. And um something went down in my neighborhood and like i mean there was swat involved there was like and the timing was so eerie that i was like did i did i do that you know what i mean but it was just it just was inevitable that it was going to happen
0: ultimately do you feel like regardless of the outcome or the situation the attack mode do you feel like what you had said was justified yes then fuck it
1: and it wasn't and it wasn't <laughs> in a way that was meant to be you know there was no malice it was not like
0: um you're just trying to have a human moment like a, a connection and just like a
1: just i hey i know this thing it's you know i know this thing and i want to help but sometimes people don't want help and that's yeah. the thing and i feel like or they get uh you know or they're they're drawing from past experiences where they've been wronged You know, we all have these experiences where someone's fucked us over or something didn't happen in the best way. So then we, like, guard ourselves against, you know, a similar interaction. And then maybe we're wrong in that interaction. And I think that we all have to be open to, like, being wrong. Totally. And, like, and then, like, you know, you tell yourself, wow, I thought I knew what was going on there and I had no fucking clue. There's
0: (laughs) There's no right way to navigate any situation. It's really just a matter of doing what you think is right. I think, you know, as long as I, there's nothing worse than feeling like, you know, you should do something and you don't act on it. And then you always have that voice in your head. Yeah. So for me, it's always like, well, I, if I think I need to do something, like I think I need to message somebody. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. I yeah. mean, there might not, might not be the best outcome, but that's what I felt was right. And I mean, and if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's a learning experience. Yeah. That's
1: how we learn is to, it's like, if you, sit back and never act or never do you won't learn and i feel like there's a a big a lot of folks have fear of that too like just won't do anything because of fear of like fucking it up but it's like really if you didn't die i think you're in pretty good shape (laughs) you know so you know you gotta like get out there and and and
0: fuck things up a (laughs) bit.
1: yeah and not die (laughs) you know no one wants to die well you know but
0: I think that, you know, it's the, the analogy of being a a child and learning to walk and you fall on your face. It's like, anytime you're starting up something new, like say, we'll say like maybe some aspects of the local music scene are still in that infancy stage and it's just falling on its face. And also there's some aspects of it that have just gotten really comfortable where it is and they don't want to do anything else to better itself. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Almost like I have all of the it's like I have all of the capability to, uh, I don't know, eat healthier or go to the gym or just do workout. But, you know, I'm just going to kind of like sit here because, you know what? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. People are, are comfortable with the status quo. But but the thing is, is everything is changing around us. The world is changing. How people consume music is changing. The city is changing. There's a lot. Like, more people are coming in, um, you know, people from different places. I mean, I think we really have the opportunity in Pittsburgh to kind of build a scene that is both quality and, um, and beneficial, equitable for all people, yeah. you know, that are involved. I mean, not everyone's going to be happy you, all the time. Do but you feel
0: like it's moving in a better direction?
1: I think it like is. Compared
0: to, say, 2012 versus now
1: yeah i mean i took a step away from everything okay like oh, the 90s yeah, you, said you're,
0: you said you have a four-year-old so yeah it's 2019, i was 19 so 2014 15 you were probably
1: yeah i was out. i was like my son was born in 2014 so okay. i was like working on my album and you know i released it and i did nothing with it because i you know i just had a kid but i was kind of out of the scene just because I needed a break, I had done it for so long. Understandable. You know, touring and, yeah. like, well, regional stuff. You missed and-
0: nothing. Like, I say the 2009 to 2012 is what I consider the the dark ages uh, in terms of my involvement in Pittsburgh music cause I started playing shows in 2012. Okay. So Or no I'm sorry, 2002. Okay. Two,
1: oh okay. yeah, 2002. 2002. Yeah,
0: 2002, I started playing shows:
1: Yeah, that same and then time.
0: then uh, everything was great until about 2008 I started things started to get real weird. and it's interesting
1: because that, that's when the, the you know the economy went bad, you know, or the the recession or whatever Sure.
0: And I mean that was also like
1: and that I mean, could th- be it people but, could like, have been Things were
0: still like okay, but by the time like 2012 Happen like which is right around the time shadow lounge closed and all that like pittsburgh music was in this really weird spot but now it's pretty interesting even just with doing this podcast for the past five years the amount of people that are like doing stuff and reaching out to me and talking with so many different people it's just like there's so much going on yeah Uh, people come on the show like yeah i'm playing the show at this place i'm like what the fuck is that place yeah. oh it's like you know it's some room above this fucking vintage shop somewhere I'm i like, just found,
1: found out <laughs> about an after hours party that happens at 2 p.m or 2 2 p.m 2 a.m and goes to like six sure And it's like uh you have to know what the address is you have to know what the password is uh-huh, and then yeah, you pay it, and it's like everything's free when you go in but it's you know you pay like 40 bucks to get in but you, you party and yeah. like that shit's happening. I'm like, okay, like now I know.
0: <laughs> I think that there are. I worry. I don't. I Let's say I. I genuinely worry that there are. There's a demographic of people who kind of have been in the scene for a long time, who kind of fell out around that same time when everything kind of went to shit. Yeah, and they've decided to to stay out of it, but they still throw their opinions into yeah. the into the ring of Facebook and yeah. stuff. Cause it's like, I'll see people kind of throwing out negativity.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's like that, uh, that scene in mean girls when the girl's talking on the thing and someone's like, she doesn't even go here. Do you oh, know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about a lot of people on Facebook threads. I'm like, I mean, I don't know everybody. Yeah. I mean, we're just meeting for the first time today and we've been doing so much stuff.
1: We've been in, on the scene for the same amount yeah. of time. But like, I there's you know? still
0: some people that I see and it's like, who are you? But at the same time. Who am I? Yeah. I have that hyper awareness to like, at least I don't like throw my, my jaded opinions into the ring.
1: I think, I think everyone's got their own little, they have their own angle. And I think, I think they have their own goal with whether it's, you know, getting into a better venue. I mean, everyone's at a different stage in what they want. And I think there are a lot of hobbyists in Pittsburgh still that sure. like to throw their opinions in the ring but the thing is is we have so much talent here and we have people who want to be more serious about their art they want to have better sound they want to yeah. have uh you know they want to have better experiences in the studio and actually put money towards something they can be proud of mm-hmm. they want to do all these things but i feel like you know the old stuff this year like maybe some of the older venues some of the older mentalities are not like don't want to do that like they're a lot of the venues are like oh i can have music and then it'll bring people in you know like it's that mentality um if, you, you know, we'll build it and then people will just come in, but there's so many different facets to the promotion of it. Like if no one knows about it, no one's going to come, you know, there's the sound requiring like musicians to have to haul all their equipment everywhere to, to be able to play music. And I feel like if we have venues in Pittsburgh that are supporting music, it's going to You know, it's going to grow. It's going to get better. The musicians are going to feel like, oh, yeah, I want to throw my money into a good quality recording because I want to I know I'm supported in my town.
0: Something that I talk about a lot with promoting shows and venues and the main problem that I see is that people overlook that they're creating an event that's supposed to be an avenue of entertainment for people that are coming out to the event. There's a lot of bands that just throw shows for themselves. They're not thinking about the people that are going to come out. And that goes
1: back to being, you know, thinking about the audience and and not just about your own self. And that's where the hobby stuff comes into.
0: And there are venues that don't take into consideration like, oh, if I just open up my doors and I let people do shows here, people will show up. But yeah, if it's fucking uncomfortable and weird and sounds like shit, they're not coming back.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, most of the bar venues in this city make enough money in one night to fix all of their PA problems. If they have PA problems, live sound gear is not that expensive, especially for the size rooms that a lot of these places are. And a lot of these places, they don't even need full upgrades. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, It's like their speakers are fine, but their soundboard is shit. Or they just need new cables, like very simple things. It's not, I mean, it's not cheap. It's not like here's 20 bucks, fix the problem. But it's like, listen, a thousand bucks for you. I know that kind of sucks, but you're a bar. Your markup on alcohol is ridiculous.
1: And people are going there for the experience. If they want to just drink, they can buy a six pack and go sit at home. You know, they're go- when you go out to the bar, you're going out for the people. That's a very the good point. And Make gotta- it comfortable. Make it comfortable. And, and if you're a dive bar, fine. Rock the dive thing. I have nothing against dive bars. But, like, make sure your bathroom's decent. Have decent sound. So if people are coming to, you know, to your bar to hear music, have someone there that cares, you know. And, and so many don't. And they just want the benefits of music. But they don't want to have to support it in any way. And yeah. I think that's that's that old school idea. Uh, I've heard musicians complain on about sound on a regular basis. so I think it's a huge, you know a huge thing that could be fixed pretty easily. yeah, I, d- I
0: do think that that's honestly there's a lot of times when people are talking about um, that I've talked with on the show about um, what the Pittsburgh scene is like versus scenes in other cities. And I could say with confidence, one thing that I notice, and maybe it's just because I've played more venues here, is that we have a big issue in terms of venues not having sound people that know what they're doing. Yeah. Or sound people at all. Yeah. Most of the time, any time that we play out of town, we're playing a venue that has a dedicated sound person. Yeah. And like whether or not they're good or bad that's subjective but yeah. there's at least somebody there yeah. behind the board yeah taking care of it yeah but there's a good handful of places in pittsburgh that don't really do that
1: yeah i think and that's a big part of what fair play w- wants to do is advocate for musicians in play you know in venues what about can't we get you know a program going get some grant money and have like you know a sound system that can be rented by musicians if they wanted or venues, you know, like I know downtown was really looking to put music in all of these different restaurants. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Hey, there's steps in some of these places. Like you don't even think about putting music unless you have a dedicated PA, but a lot of these bar owners or these restaurant owners don't want to put, put up the money. So why can't we have the, the CDCs, the development companies find a grant, buy a PA, and then make sure it's there for when they have music. Yeah. You know, it's like there's that so much many things, it's not that much money, yeah. but it's just, I feel like it's like laziness and like just being okay with the status quo. And, you know, we're not gonna get better if everyone's just lazy about it, you know? And you may think, oh, well, that's money out of my pocket. But if you look at it as an investment that people are gonna be like, whoa, this is the place to come. For music on this night you develop a culture behind that night and then you got you got people coming in mm-hmm. you know i mean you're gonna make money but you, you may lose money in the beginning i mean it's we all have like to invest anything. in it's something like, yeah
0: i think that there is all things being said all all negativity me saying like oh like normal people don't care about music and blah blah, blah, blah. i don't i mean with all with all that stuff that i had said earlier i do think that there is a very feverish hunger for live music in Pittsburgh. I'm seeing a lot more people coming out to local shows that aren't in bands. They're just coming out because they want cool live entertainment. And part of me thinks the reason why that's working, at least with the shows that I've been promoting and playing, is that when I'm involved in something, I understand that like, oh, we need to curate this event for the people coming out to it. It's not about me. It's about them. So making sure that the, the places that we book shows are... Comfortable places, and if I'm booking a show at a place, making sure the bands make sense for that space, yeah. making sure the bands are gonna, you know, be people that aren't grumpy and that yeah. they're fun to be around. So they probably have fun people that come out and diverse talent to bring diverse people into the comfortable space. Yeah, make it more than just, oh, here's. Five rock bands at the smiling moose. Good (laughs) luck. You know, like
1: and they like maybe three of them know each other, like, you know, they're all Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Two of them are in the same band, actually. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine, but like I just don't see any way to grow without thinking about the audience. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot more people starting to come out, and that's only been over the past year. Yeah. So I think that at least maybe that's just something that works for what I'm doing in particular, but I don't feel like that's something that Anybody could probably take that info and use it to benefit themselves and the shows and what they're trying to do.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And make it more of an experience. It's like I think for a long time there in Pittsburgh is like you would see the same people playing the same, you know, every weekend or every other weekend. It's like we've already heard from you. let you know, let's, you know, create a longing, you know, release a single and have it be like a celebration of that or a video or make it like. Interesting and unique.
0: One thing that I really respected about um, Millville Music Fest was that they did not book us two years in a row because they wanted to do new people for I mean, that was with the metal stage with my metal band. Yeah. And then like, they told us that day, like, you're not playing next year. Yeah. Because we were like, we would love to play next year. And I was like, it's not going to happen because there's
1: so, may, they so many the people that submitted. We want to
0: make sure that the lineup is different yeah. next year. Yeah. We'll get you the year after that, you yeah. know, <laughs> like if it works out. Yeah. But I thought that was really cool. And like, um, I mean, I have no beef with Deutchtown, but a lot of it's like, same the same 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 which is fine too i mean some people really there's some people like the only show they play every year is deutschtown so it's like okay that's fine
1: yeah i played both (laughs) last year but um i did not apply for Millvale, and i'm glad now that i didn't because i it sucks to be rejected you know but not to say that i'm not going to get rejected from uh deutschtown but um just because there are so many bands you know and i'm not actively playing out i'm not trying to uh, do the solo thing because it's
0: just. And you know what's awesome to go to Deutschtown and not have to worry about loading in anything to just like enjoy the day, you know, make it not about yourself. Yeah. Just enjoy the other art, see a bunch of music you've never seen before, maybe have a drink if that's your thing, yeah. maybe have a food if you like food. Yeah. And enjoy
2: yourself. Take yeah. a day off. Yeah. That's
0: totally. what I'm doing this year. Yeah. Because I played Deutschtown the past two years and yeah. I had fun yeah. both yeah. times, but. Looking work. at it from a business perspective, I don't know how much it worked out.
1: Well, I kind of wanted to. Uh, I wanted to um, try Deutschtown again this year because I w- was supposed to play Siampro Algo, that new restaurant on okay. East Ohio Street. Yeah, and it, they weren't open in time, so I was like, "Oh man!" So I was hoping, kind of this year, that I would get um, get that since I didn't get to play, but we'll see. Yeah, i won't be sad if that doesn't happen but uh, (laughs) um but definitely an indoor venue like i'm mad props to the bands that are like on the stage because man i was just it was hot hot last year and i was like man you guys are just like yeah you know i mean and this sounded great they were killing it but everyone was just like
0: we we played in the in the James street ballroom last year oh wow! and like their AC was still working in the building. So that was, that was nice.
1: Yeah. That's, yeah, it was, uh, it was so hot, but
0: still like going back to the business thing, I felt like at least half the people that were in there watching us play were just in there because it was AC. Yeah. And it was like, okay, like they're not really that interested. They're enjoying it for what it is, but like, and I'm not saying that if I'm playing a show that, like, I need to sell merch. But at the same time, it's like if I'm going out of my way yeah. to do all this stuff, I, I'm at a point now where, like, I do kind of want some monetary return from a yeah. show. Because it's the only thing that keeps the ship floating. And
1: this is a band, right? So you're logging yeah. gear and shit. Yeah, that's yeah. why, like, I was the solo thing, I got my guitar. Everything's like... Yeah, it's I less just, responsive. Gotta, yeah, I just walk around. I'm like, all right, yeah, I play the show. So if, if I don't make, you know, anything, which is usually in in festivals like that, usually you don't. Um, but it's, it's
0: about the exposure. Yeah. But I just haven't found any positive exposure that I've been made aware of from
1: From Town. From
0: Deutschtown, And that's not nothing even that's the... not even against, that's nothing against Deutschtown. And it
1: could be it could be because it of might the stage. Just be, when... It's the stage
0: and also maybe the style of music. Because both years that I played, I played with my like weird hip hop project. And there's not a whole lot of that at Deutschtown. Yeah. I think there should be, but there's not. Yeah. And since there traditionally hasn't been, that's not really the crowd that comes there. Yeah, so yeah. people that are going aren't necessarily thinking they're going to run into somebody like me. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's very like, what the fuck?
1: that that's true i i also feel like a lot like you playing in the james street ballroom being upstairs is kind of like you're hidden away i mean i played an air artist image resource yeah. and it's like a catacomb back uh-huh. there and you're kind of like hidden away so people you just have to be kind of lucky that people are going to walk through or they're going to make go out of their way to come see you which i had a couple people do that but i think they were like family members or something sure. So yeah um but yeah i mean it, it's cool The live thing is just, you know, not really what I'm interested in. And my time is smaller now because I have a family and I'm Mm -hmm. focusing on that um, too. Um, So, yeah.
0: I think that's the other thing too, kind of just going back to Deutschtown because I really don't want to come off as like I'm being negative towards them at all. But I think it's a thing of just being very aware of like where you fit in in terms of what your particular output is yeah. you know no, what that's I mean? a good point yeah uh, because like every artist isn't going to be able to play at a restaurant downtown yeah which is like kind of like one of my main gripes with that whole thing yeah it's like it because i feel like it's catering to a demographic of artists that are probably already playing restaurants and the breweries and things like that yeah like they already kind of have an avenue it's just giving them more opportunities on top of what they already have yeah versus some other people that have like no opportunities and they still don't have opportunities
2: yeah yeah whenever i went
0: to the one of the the ecosystem meetup things at the hard rock cafe oh yeah and i was chatting with one of the, the downtown people there and i was just like you know i I was like i know this isn't what you're interested in helping but like what about the punk bands what about the hip-hop bands what about all the r&b kids like what are we And it's just kind of like well i don't know
1: there's no unfortunately (laughs) there are no venues like that downtown and there probably will not be because the their whole deal is they want to cater towards you know the people staying at the hotel's Basically, oh, the yeah. out of towner So that's very like it's very vanilla kind of. Well, I
0: loved it. That was the thing that really, um, that I thought was funny because I remember whenever they s- first put out the, the ecosystem thing, they said that like they did some surveys based off of a thing on visitpittsburgh.com. Who is going to visitpittsburgh.com? Like, like tourists, maybe, and people that are coming into the city, and there's no live entertainment downtown you know what i mean somebody going to a pirates game isn't going to be like oh like maybe i'll go to the smiling moose and check out something
1: i understand they want to they want to utilize the music that pittsburgh does have in the other you know neighborhoods and there's a lot of talented people and bring some of that into downtown to to create you know things for people who are staying there i get it that that's cool um but you know you gotta have you really got to cater to those musicians yeah. if they're going to do that. I mean,
0: I, I, I know it's it's a very tricky thing.
1: It's a tricky thing. We're not going to have rock and punk necessarily I downtown. I, I, no, just know, I, I just know. I know
0: that's not going to happen. And I'm not saying that it should, but I just don't feel like there's even like, I worry that there isn't even like an an ounce of thought being like, oh well, what about these bands? Well, we can't work on that now, but maybe later. I feel like it just doesn't come up. Like there's just zero interest in even thinking about finding a way because i'm not it's not so much of a concern for me for people that are older because the older people have their spaces yeah anybody that's like in high school or coming up they have Roboto and that's it
1: yeah see that's i mean that's a big that's a concern with the oakland crowd and that's something that keeps popping up a lot is how do we get a venue for the college kids how do we get new fans uh, develop the audience yeah The new fans, the the younger kids. And that's the
0: other thing, too, is like helping, like regardless of the style of music that you're bringing in, having people play in restaurants downtown. I mean, youth drives the culture. And the majority of these college kids don't have $20 to drop on a plate of food at pork and beans or at meat and potatoes or butcher in the rye or, you know, any of those places. They're all cool restaurants. Yeah. But it's not going to help like actually build up the culture. I feel like you want to target the people that are 18, 19 now. That way when they are of age, like it's then it's blossoming. Yeah, I don't so know. where there's are those, so many fucking variables? It's really hard.
1: So where are those venues in Oakland? You know, like there's that's what needs to, to happen. Right there's now. a lot of house shows in Oakland. So and and maybe there's
0: they're doing maybe lo- we
1: need to do like a website or something to like, you know, where these underground a lot of these underground house shows don't want to be publicized no though, they because don't they can't be they're like house parties and they're underage drinking and that yeah. kind of thing so um Which, i don't know it's a tough thing i mean i don't remember a lot of venues in oakland i think peter's was peter's pub there peter's something? pub was
0: there club laga
1: oh laga was the big the upstage one. that was huge that whole That's yeah right. yeah
0: the beehive had live music when the, the beehive, beehive was there
1: yeah it's so corporate and not it's cool upmc oakland. oakland i feel
0: like they should on the map they should just erase oakland and just put upmc slash pit yeah is what oakland should be called now there's yeah. o- there is no more oakland left
1: yeah it's just it's, i mean i'm mad max is still there i hope oh I mean, yeah that, mad max is there the I, I
0: appreciate that being <laughs> I a concern know. of yours i
1: mean that but that's like that block those in the what is it india palace right next door like those two restaurants are like you know that's like i don't cool know if india open. palace is still there really or maybe it's i don't think so oh, okay I could be wrong. And that the Sphinx Cafe was there for a while. Yeah, the bar—they still uh-huh. there? I think,
0: there,
1: think so, but church. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I think that that's still there. I think, yeah. but I don't know if there's. I know for some time there was like live entertainment happening there. Yeah. I don't think that happens anymore. I don't uh, know what's going on with that space. Yeah, it might see, just see that be, would
1: be an interesting space to like. You know, I mean, if they just had a, a somebody who wanted to put on some shows and not be worried about the alcohol thing. Cause that's a huge liability, especially in, in that college neighborhood uh, for any business owner who wants to legitimately have, you know, a space. Yeah. Um, but I think that some cultural organization in the city or somebody needs to come forward and like do a nonprofit venue, you know, just to develop audiences, just to get some new music in there for kids to hear and some, and make it cool <laughs> somehow, you know? So it's not like,
0: I've always, I've, al- I've always wanted to like. Uh, do you were you a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan by any means?
1: I was not actually. Okay,
0: well, there was like a place where they would go after school in the episodes. It was like kind of like a cafe club, and there would be live music and like you've seen like the stereotype in a lot of like '90s movies oh, yeah. and TV shows where like there's that cool club yeah, where everybody goes. There, there's and... kind of like like in Wayne's World. There's like the one that they go to. Okay, yeah. Where um the band's playing, they do that awesome uh. Um, the the ballroom blitz cover. Anyways. Okay, uh, yeah. But yeah, like places like that, that are yeah. very stereotypical. Like this is where everybody's going, regardless of who's playing. It's like a, a culture thing. Shadow Part Lounge of was the environment. like that. Shadow Lounge was like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, we don't have that.
0: Like, yeah. oh, what's going on And I don't know. There's probably some bands playing down at Shadow Lounge. Go check it out.
1: Yeah, I, when I was in um, college, 99, there was a place in IUP, had called cafe curio and okay they got, it's actually where the the coffee shop is now in iup i think it's, it's a commonplace coffee. yeah com- yeah but um before it was commonplace it was cafe curio and they had that small room but then they had the bigger room in the back so there was like a little stage there was a pool table oh, that's awesome and it had that quintessentials 90 dark kind of feel to it but that was like the spot you know and that's where and then they ended up you yeah. know, closing
0: it. It's, <laughs> so. it's, it's really hard. There are, people, there are people doing some cool things. I got to see the inside of the new Black Forge in McKee's Rocks. Uh, yeah. And that space is awesome.
1: They're about to open up, aren't they? Or is it the show? I know they ran enough. into some problems with yeah. permitting and bullshit. Yeah. And- soon
0: enough, They. I think there's still a good bit of work that needs done in there. But I mean, I was in there and like a lot of the build out's done. And I think that that's going to be another positive piece of the puzzle.
1: Oh, McKee's Rocks with the Roxy in Theater uh-huh. as well. And people yeah. coming in there for shows. I think Hollywood music is yep. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, PMA yep. Tattoo is on in West Park, which is still considered kind of stow okay. Rocks. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all connected. But um, yeah. But that- there,
0: there's little things popping up, which is cool. So it's like we can bring up these things, address these certain issues and concerns. But also at the same time, if you think about it, there are little like lights turning on kind of slowly but it's happening at a rate much faster than I can like recall in terms of like anything before 2015-16 like it was like dead and now it's been like
1: have you been to first Fridays in Garfield no that is incredible I've, I've heard I've heard incredible like I was there for you know uh got Ga- I was just there for an event and I was like the galleries and the people out, the music's just happening yeah. in like people's spaces. I mean, it was it's like wow.
0: Yeah, I've heard nothing but great things about it. Problem though is with Fridays, I'm always usually have a show or an event and it just hasn't lined up for me too. And the other thing too is that I surprisingly don't have a lot of friends. In that community. For a lot of people that say Pittsburgh's a small city, in a lot of ways it is, there's still a lot of people that I don't know. Yeah. For example, me and you right here, I am not connected with anybody that just casually goes to a first Friday. So I like don't get invited to it. I forget about it. And then I hear about it after the fact, like, Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to first Friday. Oh shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. Maybe I should put like a reminder in my calendar or something. I mean,
1: it's worth checking out, especially if like, you know, Roboto, I mean, Roboto's down there, you know, I'm sure they got music and whatnot, um, going on and I think a couple other venues that have music during that event anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think it's totally worth checking out. Um.
0: So with music, whenever you had emailed me, you had mentioned that, you know, you're going to be releasing a thing and we touched on it a little bit earlier and I don't want to escape this conversation <laughs> without, uh, communicating a bit about the thing that you originally reached out to me yeah, to talk yeah. about.
1: Yeah. Um, so
0: that would be cite your sources.
1: Yes. I'm actually working on a couple of things. Cite your sources is the main thing. Okay.
0: Um, what else is I am al-
1: I also just produced a uh, wrote a song called moon scene for a contest that I'm whoring around the internet <laughs> okay. for everybody to go <laughs> to uh, to YouTube to check out and like it so I can win the contest.
0: Cool, what's the contest for?
1: Um, the contest is put on by a local group down in Huntsville, Alabama, and it's um about apollo 11's 50th anniversary which is coming up in july so the song that i wrote is the whole scenario is like hey write a song about moon the moon you know apollo 11 this kind of thing uh whoever wins the contest gets to go down to uh muscle shoals record at fame studios and win 10 grand and i would love to win that all
2: yeah, <laughs>
1: but um, so I wrote this song and I uh, got Nathan Zub who's a guitarist in yeah, the Pittsburgh I, scene. I know
0: Nathan; he's been on the show.
1: Yeah, and um, he put some awesome riffage to the tune, and I think the song's pretty damn catchy. So I think it's got a shot. And we did a video entry; it took like a couple days. A bunch of us came together. My husband got in on it with the video stuff. We had a had a designer design the plate, so it was definitely a team effort. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, um, I, it's at moon net and that takes you right to the, the YouTube link. Cool. But, um, yeah, I'm not like in the top, the top six, uh, in, in YouTube likes. And that's been a real challenge because it's like, you really got to like promote the shit out of your stuff, you know, to get these.
0: YouTube is raw. It's really, really hard.
1: (sighs) Yeah. So that's what, but I'm really excited about it. And I've been just pounding the pavement with that thing. Um, but uh moon dot net and then set your sources is the thing i've been working on for two and a half
0: years and that's like a new solo album or a collaborative album because there's a lot of collaborations on it like are, like are you going to release it as like under your name or
1: well that's another story
0: <laughs> nice um, let's do okay
1: well shay i go by shay because dima shay is like hard to i figured pronounce. that out yeah <laughs> um and friends in high school called me shay for a number of years so i have shaymusic.com which makes it great people just go to that site all my stuff's there um but i'm releasing this album under my given name lauren demache because apple kicked me out of the um the apple store and i think it's because shay is also the name of a capital a french capital artist named shay and she just released an album and she's like big so she's from like belgium and um and she's pretty big over there apparently so i'm pretty sure that they deleted my album my love letters album because it's by shay
0: you didn't get any sort of notification or no writing i found about out
1: this? i found out through my distributor through TuneCore, and i had to go back and forth with them and i asked them why and they gave me a list of po- possible reasons why and i just kind of like assumed i guess that it was that because it's it's a definitive it's a definitive i can't fight it i can't put in a, a a dispute apparently you can do that you can dispute it yeah there's a process but apparently it was came back from apple that it was like no and then it was weird because it was around the same time that Shay from belgium had released her album so i'm pretty sure that they they deleted that album to avoid any kind of um crossover crossover or just confusion in their stores yeah and i've heard actually the author of the um the co- the company owner who did the pittsburgh music ecosystem report like who headed that up sound i think it's sound cities is his company don pitts i actually messaged him about it and he said that's something that's been popping up a lot with apple and smaller independent artists as they're starting to be more selective about okay. what they have going in there so I just kind of like gave up on the Shay thing, um, only because my goal is with this album in particular is a as a portfolio for my producing. So it's not that it's not like an artistic album that I wrote and I had to get it out from an art side or creative side of things. I took eight songs. It's an
0: audio resume.
1: It's an audio resume exactly. I took eight songs that I had written over twenty years. And I, that I never really fully recorded or produced. And I edited them, produced them,
2: yeah,
1: you know, brought in other musicians, 26 other collaborators from the city mostly. Um, so it's kind of like that. So I let go of Shea and I said goodbye. Um, so you're releasing
0: um, it under Lauren, Lauren D. D. Mache. I am. Have you, have you given thought to just saying Lauren Shea?
1: uh I think I did a while ago, and I looked it up, and you know, like the domain was gone. You know what I mean? It's like son of a. I bitch. know,
2: and, <laughs> and it's so
1: weird because it's... the internet is affecting how artists are calling themselves. Like for instance, um, changing letters to different letters, like you see use as V's uh-huh. now, and it's all search engine based. Oh yes,
0: yeah. I I changed my band name because of that. Hmm. Because for the longest time, I was releasing music just as Sykes. Ah. And then, well, there was two reasons. it was a solo thing. And then in 2014, I got a live band together because I wanted to play shows with a band. We were playing shows still as Sykes, but I had a band. And then I started writing songs and I got them in on it. And we basically wrote and recorded an album kind of together. That's like 80%, 75, 80% I wrote. And then... They transcribed and added their own little things to yeah. everything else. Yeah. Um, I felt weird releasing it as Sykes. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. Okay. Well, if you Google search Sykes, it's a common last name. You get all kinds of shit. You don't get me. Yeah. So I was like, well, how can I kill two birds with one stone here? So I decided to go with like a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers type things. Then it ended up landing on the Sykes and the New Violets. which yeah. So the internet – was it influenced because now you could Google search Sykes and new violence and nothing's going to come up but us. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. And also I was able to give credit to the band where I felt like it was due instead yeah. of them just being like playing under me, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, you got to think about that stuff for sure. Um, um, but we'll really let go of Shay. So,
0: so it's kinda sad. one last thing I want to touch up on, and it's kind of an awkward position in the conversation to put this because this should have been an earlier question, but we just kind of, we got off on a good foot and just went, went to town. So I had checked out the the live video that you did with Hugh. Yes. You played like a few songs and he asked you some questions. I did. I was interested in one thing that you had brought up because okay. it was, I relate to it a lot. And he had asked you a question about, it was after the first song you had played and he asked you to like explain the meaning of the song. Mm, yes. And then you had said something basically to the effect of like, well, I'm not so sure what the song means to me now is what it meant to me then. And I was like, I relate to that so hard because I've the relationship that I've had with a lot of material I've written over the years has seriously changed. And there's still songs that I want to play, but they definitely don't mean the same thing to me. And there's sometimes there's songs that are really good songs, but I honestly feel uncomfortable even playing them at times because like i have a real personal connection with the music that i write yeah and i wanted to dig deeper into that with you in in Uh, that in that mindset
1: yeah um and i think that was the reason i was able to excavate old songs for a new album and really focus on them some of the songs i wrote about other people and then they all of a sudden became about me, you know, like I learned something from the song. So I, I, f- I feel like that's, what's so magical about music is when you write, you write a song and you're at this place in your life, or it's a story about something you're going through. or It's a catharsis, like you're expressing yourself. And it could mean that, but then if after you've already experienced that and learned something from me, and maybe you're even a little embarrassed at the way you felt, you know, or you're, You just know that that's not you anymore. A lot of artists, I feel, get caught up in that and they're like, oh, well, that's not me anymore. I don't think that way or I don't do that. But I feel like if you, you kind of look, change perspective... Uh, especially if someone has told you that they love that song, and they're like, sure. "You know what? I heard that song. I really love that." And when it's it means something, or can mean something different to any other to anybody. So I feel like there's value in that. So I don't like just throwing away songs just because, you know, it's it's you're just not there anymore, yeah. or the mind state that you were in when you wrote it is no longer where you are.
0: It goes back to the conversation we had. In terms of playing shows and it not being for you, it's for the audience. In the same way the songs become like that after people have had time to digest them. Yes. You know, if you, because regardless of how personal the music I write is, it's always open to interpretation in some ways. Like I don't list specific people's names or make it personal in a sense that it's like very hyper specific. Yeah. You know, I try to keep in mind that the people that are listening to this may be able to apply it to their own lives in a way and it could be something they relate to. I think that's really important.
1: Yeah. And I like taking like, for instance, even like the moon, the moonshot song that I recently wrote. Yeah, you can listen to it and you can hear. Yeah, it's about the astronauts and they're NASA and they go to the moon. And, but, but you can interject like some deeper truths into songs like that, that are so like on the surface, maybe they sound like, Oh, I'm just singing about this thing, but you can make them deeper. And I like kind of hiding like little nuggets like that in like Uh the mundane. Uh, So that's why I just, I find music to be so magical and I find that pop music can be artistic and deep on a different level. Hell yes. And and I you know there there's always this mentality that oh pop music it's just drivel and a lot of it can be. But, <laughs> and, a, but
0: a lot of the most artistic sub subgenres of music are also total drivel too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like overly <laughs> intellectual. Yeah. Like listen to this; <laughs> it's so intellectual that uh-huh. you just you just it's just gonna yeah, blow no, your mind. It's nonsense. It's- <laughs> yeah true yeah yeah so that's what it's exciting to music about you know for me is um the how it can change and how it's magical in that way and how you can hide these little nuggets of truth in the mundane Mm -hmm. which i think it's exciting so
0: i agree well wrapping up do you have any other links that you want to drop? I know you mentioned your personal website a little bit ago, but if you want to um, drop that again or any shea-music. other social media.
1: It has all my you know, there's links to all um, Instagram and all that fun stuff. Do you have um, any
0: um, a release date for this big project?
1: Actually, depending on how my upload goes, I will have two songs released on Wednesday, the first day of spring, if all goes as planned. Actually, so this is going to be viewing...
0: It'll be after. It'll be after. So, so yeah, they should be available now. They
1: will be available. And where can um, people
0: find that stuff?
1: Everywhere, every streaming.
0: Under Lauren Dimashay. Under
1: Lauren Dimashay, yeah, and it's um volume one. Cite your sources. So it's just two songs. I'm actually going to trickle out all of these songs.
0: Okay, so you're not um, releasing it as. I'm an not.
1: Album. I'm not because they're also different and they're from. S- like there's some trip hop songs on there. There's some singer songwriter songs. There's some rock songs. Yeah. So they just it doesn't really make sense. I think um, to release them as a whole. Yeah.
0: I. I mean, I've found I'm old school. You're. We we come from the same camp. I love albums, but gotta like the, the hard pill to swallow of the way people are just digesting music now like I can look up my stats it's the cool thing about the way music is now is like I can actually keep track if I gave somebody a CD 10 years ago I have no idea how many times they listen to it or what songs they listen to Now I know what songs people are listening to and know every project. It's always the later songs in the album always have the least amount of streams because people don't have the patience to sit through 40 minutes of music anymore. Yeah, They might like what they heard and they'll go back and listen to those three or four songs over and over again. But it's like the whole second half of this album, it's like I should have just released an EP and then released the other half.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure out, If I release all of these songs from one album, can I have an album at the end or is that not going to be possible? (laughs) Because I've been trying to like tech it out and like, you know.
0: I've seen what I've seen most artists do, and these are like the, I'd say artists with representation and business people that get paid money and study these things and understand how it works. What I've seen them doing is, you know, they release a lot of singles and then they, release the album as a whole. Yeah. Um I mean whereas before be, a band might trickle out one or two songs. Yeah. Like there's somebody uh Lil Sims is a hip hop artist from the UK who is fantastic. I think she put out the best rap album of this year. Oh, I wow. mean we're only a few months into the year but I guarantee you nobody else Little is going to put it huh? nobody else is going to put out a better hip hop album. It is really top notch stuff. She's yeah. on some other shit, a lot of fun. But her The problem, though, is that like five or six of these songs had already been released as singles throughout 2018. Uh So by the time this album that I've been waiting to hear finally came out, I had already heard like three-fourths of the album. Uh But is there a a chance that I would have even remembered to keep in mind that that album was coming out if it wasn't for the singles? Uh
1: Who knows? So, but you were, you were essentially, when did you become a fan? Was it before this album came out? Okay. So, so the singles maybe grabbed you. It's reminding me like, I'm still a
0: person. I'm still making music. And I'm like, word, cool. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep that in mind. Cause it's like, it would just pop up in my, uh, release radar on Spotify. Yeah. Cause like I follow little Sims on Spotify. So anytime a new song gets released from somebody you follow, it pops up in that playlist that they auto-populate with people that you follow. Yeah. So I would see it because I check it every Friday when it refreshes. Like, oh, Lil Sims has another song, has another song. Whereas if she would have just put out an album once that year, she would have only popped up in my feed Ah. once that year. So
1: maybe we need to redefine in the industry. And I know like the old school industry, people don't want to hear this, is like to call that we define like you release these singles like this and then you release the album, but maybe you have a couple new songs from that album. Yeah. But but you have to like capture it, but you have to capture the fan and then maybe give them something even that, that no one else gets. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? You know, Patreon, I think things like that, you know, you give content that I I think there's just, that's the new method. Uh, I think that's just,
0: there's like, there's so much silly stuff like uh, Tycho is a band that I really like. And what they did was they released the album, then they well singles, then the album, then singles from a remix album, then the remix album, then the deluxe version of the album that was both the album and all of the remixes. So it's just like a constant recycle and refresh of the same material. And that to me, I was like, okay, okay. Like this is a little fucking overboard. <laughs> but at the same time, you did remind me that I haven't listened to you in a few months and I'm still going to listen to it. So it worked.
1: Well, yeah. And maybe that's, <laughs> just, that's just how, it, how it's got to be. I'm
0: about to fucking do that. Like just, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to release the album. I'm going to take my album I put out in November. And now I'm just going to start releasing singles from it.
1: You could do that.
0: I mean, in terms of my numbers that I get on Spotify versus the world, I'm a very small speck of dust. So what difference does it make?
1: That's true. The only thing that I would be concerned about that is, and I think all of the the streaming services are starting to figure this out. And I think like with Apple deleting me because I have the same name as a bigger artist, I think that's just the beginning of a lot more of this. They're going to start getting starting weeding things out are they going to stop you from releasing songs that have already been released you know what i mean are they going to be able to like match them because and it's not just because they don't want you to do it. it's like bandwidth you know like it's just like if they let digital inventory yeah it's just like if they let everyone do this is like how how much is that going to increase their cost on the back end and i think we're going to see more and more of this kind of like
0: i'm curious to see how it
1: structuring how it all
0: how it all comes together yeah everybody's still figuring it out
1: true and i know a lot of industry people are like oh we got to get back to the albums we got to get back to the albums but it's like okay well how do we do that then i had
0: a there's a really interesting conversation that i had with a friend of mine his name is sid riggs he was on the podcast and he lived in la for a long time he played in bands and then he did some time producing bands and he was telling me about in the, around the time that he stopped working in LA that like the budgets for, um, bands to record albums, how like they dropped like a very dramatic percentage, like almost overnight Yeah. in conjunction with, uh, the internet and streaming and stuff. I'm not going to, tr- I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was like nuts how crazy it was.
1: I mean, and an album, creating an album is such a time dedication Mm -hmm. and such an energy dedication and a money dedication if you want to do it right. And I do it right, meaning go into a a studio that has, you know, an ISO booth and like hire, you know, if you want, if you're imagining strings actually hiring someone to play strings as opposed to just putting some patches on there, which I know, you know, people... I have nothing against string patches because I love the ability that we have to make music electronically. I think it's amazing, but sometimes it it's just not the same. Oh yeah. You know? Totally. And I think that uh, we're getting away from uh, a lot of that kind of music production. And I think it's in part because, you know, we got it. The money is and the budgets are shrinking even for the major labels, but there's just so much out there, you know? And it's like, it, Do you want to invest all kinds of money into a recording? Are you going to recoup on it? And that's where the business piece needs to come in for, for musicians. We need to be thinking about it from a business perspective. Yeah. I
0: think that, you know, stuff like Spotify certainly doesn't help uh, establish the value of music to the consumer when they can pay $10 a month in get anything they ever wanted for free even if that means like oh there's going to be a, a lot maybe there's a large chunk of that people that are spending 120 dollars a year on music that may have only bought one or two cds that's just going in this nebulous pot though that's not really helping anybody outside of the major major players
1: and that's how it's i mean that is how it's always been but i think that we gotta, gotta do something man we gotta do something What that is, I don't know.
0: I don't know either. I'm just happy making cool music with my friends and taking care of the people around me. I am too. But it would be nice to, you know, the word will come up one more time to monetize it a little bit better. I think
1: it's just, and that it's not like you're monetizing that just to like, you know, so you can like put a new floor in your house you're monetizing it so you can continue doing it
0: yeah make it self-sustaining yeah,
1: yeah uh i mean it would be nice to put a new floor in your house which is what i want to do at some point <laughs> that's why i brought that it was up but, yeah, example, hyper specific sure. yeah very specific but you know it, it like i invested in my in my music this time around i actually paid artists out of my pocket out of my savings because i I didn't want to ask people to do shit for free. So I invested in myself. Now I'm like trying, you know, I want to recoup that. Yeah. That's like my goal. So I'm going to think of it like a business. You know, I started an LLC and, uh, and all that stuff is slow going, but it's like, you know, that's my goal is to recoup.
0: It's a, it's, it's a bummer whenever like you're thinking about, Oh, like, how am I going to be able to afford this and budget that and, but you need to do it. And it was like one of the things that actually like, fuck, this is getting into a whole nother thing on traffic. But um, (laughs) one of the problems that I found coming from the like punk metal DIY scene, because so much of that was like, Oh, it's not about the money. And I had that in my head for so long. And it's like, wait, like, Literally every aspect of what goes into being a musician, there's money tied to it in one way or another. The only thing it's not tied to is the the creativity, like the brain thought. But if I don't have an instrument that I paid for, I can't actually get that out there. If I don't have like something that I either paid to record for this on or money to give an engineer, I can't record it.
1: People people have an, people it's- overlook it. People have a bad – I wouldn't say bad, but I think especially in the rock and the punk scene and the anti-establishment scene, or political thoughts, they have this idea of money that it's like some dirty word. Like it's like this – you know it's this horrible thing that you know you if you have it it's like you're a motherfucker and no one likes a rich asshole or whatever but I mean it's really if you look at it it's just energy and it's like and I've been trying to actively oh yeah, work more of a trade kind of thing which is still energy you could substitute money money just makes it easier for people to understand and and it's like a contract okay I hey my rate is this give me this amount of money and you do this for me so, th- so there's no you know you know what you're Expectations Uh are when you're trading services, it gets a little bit more difficult. You know, there's a trade involved, and there's like, but it's still an energy exchange. So, whether you put money in there or you trade services with people or you do something, it's an energy exchange. And the whole point is you want it to be equitable. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes people get pissed off. You know, maybe they made a bad deal. And I get that. I mean, I'm involved in you know, working with 26 other musicians, like it hasn't been super easy. Uh, and I made a lot of mistakes as well early on because I was all about just creating and I wasn't thinking about, hey, we got to have this agreement or this understanding up front so everyone knows what is expected of them. And now am trying to go back to get that, the stuff that I need in order to like recoup, like license my stuff. Sometimes you need to have like agreements with all of the people that played on your stuff so you could license to someone else because they don't want any trouble down the line. So you yeah. have to have that understanding that, you know, and I'm learning all of this through the process. So yeah, I've made mistakes. Um, but you gotta think in that way. Otherwise, you're not gonna recoup. And there's nothing wrong with making money off of your art, you know, because you you spent your energy and your time in it. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with wanting an equal exchange. And hopefully you you know you you hit it big and hit it big means you actually profit. <laughs> if you do, awesome. But um I think just breaking even is is you know something to shoot for. I think if you're not trying to break even, then you know, then you're a fucking pushover. I sure. mean, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Um so I just feel like people have this idea especially in the rock and the punk scene this idea of money like you know, that it's, there's nothing wrong with money. There's wrong with money when you have so much and you're hoarding it for yourself. I think that's what we have a problem as humans. We have a huge problem with that. There are a few people at the top that are hoarding all the money and, you know, it's not equitable. And I think that we all need to do a better job at that. But, and I think it goes in part back to the people's idea about money. Like it's this dirty word.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I think that, it's okay to make money. It's okay to, you know, charge a little bit more to make that money to do things. Like, you know, charge a couple bucks extra for the shirt. It's not selfish. It's like people want to support your art. And then that's just going to go. It's like, oh, cool. Now we can buy that trailer. So on we could the go reverse, on the reverse.
1: On the reverse of that, if someone offers you money and it's not enough for you, don't say yes say no or say my rate is so-and-so totally but some people will say yes for the money and then have a bad attitude about it because they like they're mad at you because you undercut them but if you're not telling someone what your worth is or what your rate is and saying no my rate is you know whatever and i can't do it for that don't get mad if you undercut yourself you know i think that we need to say especially artists and uh, musicians in pittsburgh need to say no a lot more you know to gigs that are shitty sure you know hey i would come play my my bar and bring your you bring your pa and i'll pay you 50 bucks um and if you don't like that and the the terms aren't great for you then just say no just be like I mean, hey
0: would you do that for 50 bucks
1: <laughs> and then maybe next time maybe they'll offer a little bit more you yeah. know i mean you never know um uh, but you gotta you gotta say what your worth is it goes
0: back to what i said earlier in terms of like talking with kids transparency i think that's just a a human thing that regardless of whether you are a musician or just it's just it doesn't matter just being very upfront and just hey like, this is this is what i need yeah. and if you can't provide that that's okay yeah. this just isn't
1: it's not the right... This isn't
0: the working relationship. To... It's the right collab. Yeah. It's not yeah. the
1: right collab for yeah. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Well,
0: I think we can <laughs> wrap on that. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure you seem like somebody I could probably chat with for a I, while. Um, We've been I, going I, I for could... a while. We know we we have our, 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 our minds are in the right. We're both going to the same place. You know what I mean? We've been on different roads for the past 10 years, but still trying to get to the same destination. And finally those paths have crossed on our journey here we are it's really nice meeting you it's
1: very good to meet you as well looking
0: forward to chatting with you again sometime i'm sure it will happen yeah and uh, you already dropped your links where people can find you
2: that's right lauren
0: demache look for it and uh that's it i do all the outro stuff later so okay, cool. thank you for coming over and thanks for it. having me we're done all right. Goodbye. goodbye and that is all folks thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the conversation one more time want to give a shout out to lauren for coming on the show i had a really good time meeting her chatting with her you know like i said very 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 beautiful singer songwriter lots of cool stuff Really looking forward to hearing all the stuff that she has coming out. And uh, definitely check it out. You know, if this is up your alley, I know she has a lot of shows that she's doing and stuff like that. You can catch her around. So be on the lookout. Keep your eyes on the prize. I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2019. Woo. Woo.